Hello and thank you for listening to episode 354 of 60MW. I'm Dave. And I'm Tom. And this is part two of our interview show with Matt Hannon slash Caridas from 2014. Hopefully you listened to part one. If you haven't, pause this immediately. Go back and listen to episode 353. As we said at the beginning of that show, this one is all about the making of the movie itself. What a crazy time. You think it's a crazy time watching the film, or oh, may <laughs> when you hear the stuff that went on during the making of it, it's incredible, isn't it, mate? Absolutely. It makes it almost make sense. <laughs> almost. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, again, it just adds to your enjoyment of watching Samurai Cop when you know some of the backstories, what went on at the time. It's, uh, yeah, like you said, it's... Uh, Almost makes it make sense. <laughs> so we'll see. Really? Yeah. Uh, again, hopefully you listened to episode 353. You would have heard me say Samurai Cop 3 and what you need to do if you want that to happen. I'm going to reiterate that here. Send us an email. Send us a tweet. Do you want Samurai Cop 3 to happen? You need to start getting in touch with us. Let's see how many people would be interested. Uh, and again, pass this show on to your friends, all you Samurai Cop uh, movie fans. Let's get the word out there. Let's get Samurai Cop 3 happening very soon as well. And uh, again, I can't say any more, but you can do your bit just by sending us an email. Here we go. Samurai Cop Tales with me, Tom and Matt. Hello, everybody. This is Matthew Hannon, finally captured and contained on the radio waves, on the airwaves, on the internet waves of the 80s picture house. Um, broadcast, and uh, we're about to go into a twilight zone that I never thought I would enter again, and then we're going to be talking about the, uh, I guess, world-famous Amir Shervan's Samurai Cup. Hello and welcome to the 80s Picture House and another of our In Conversation with episodes. In fact, it's part two of our show with Matt Hannon and this time we're going to be talking all about on-set stories from Samurai Cop. Uh, I'm Dave and as always I'm joined by my fellow co-host Tom. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Start as we mean to That's go brilliant. on. <laughs> uh, yeah. And here we are. I, I, I mentioned his name earlier. Uh, again, the wonderful, entertaining and all-round great guy, Matt Hannon. Hello, Matt. Yes, hello again. The verbose Matt Hannon. I hope no, Is there anyone else that's been so obnoxious that they needed two parts to get all of this out? <laughs> or crying out loud. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. And I'm, I apologize profusely to your audience if they were like... <laughs> bored to death like i said halfway through most of those answers you guys could have left made a complete meal ate it and then came back and <laughs> still i would be answering the question but let's see if we can pare that down here now on uh, regarding the film oh i'm sure people want to hear even more about the film as well i know but uh, <laughs> that's a little a more tame i compared to mine <laughs> so we in the first uh in the first part of the interview with you we went like Right up to the start of, of Samurai Cop. Let's go your your first day on set. What what was it like? Where were you? What scene was it? And how how did it compare to what you thought it was going to be? 
It was um, the very first scene that I shot was with the scene with Janice and uh, I say Janice, uh, I guess Jennifer is her name in the movie. Um, her and I in the swimming pool when we're back at my house mm. frolicking. Um, and that, that I had never met her <clears throat> prior to that. I basically had gone into Amir's office and, and met with him and he's like, you are it, you are my star and uh, you're the lead and so on and so on. And uh, I think he gave me the script, and then we ended up shooting that scene probably, I want to say, a week later. But I never read with anybody or met anybody. I just went over the lines of the script and then um, um, showed up that day, and and, uh, there she was. Oh, what a lucky guy I was. (laughs) But also awkward because, again, if you don't know someone, and here we are, our first scene is kissing. That was yeah, I think she jumps in the pool and swims over to me, and we kiss. That was that was there was no dialogue, there was nothing. I saw her when I got there and said, "Oh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Matthew." And and then uh, all right, uh, Amir's like, "All right, swimsuits on <laughs> and in the pool." So <laughs> here I am being exposed immediately. Uh, and uh, but sweet girl, and I and again, me not being the professional, I think I might have been a little too. Uh, friendly with the kiss, uh, not knowing. I think there's acting kissing, and then there's kissing kissing, and me being, I'm of course not the thespian, but I was doing method acting there. And I was thinking, if I was going to kiss this girl, here's how I would do it. Not knowing that her boyfriend, who was on the set, literally, you know, 10 feet away from me, behind me. I found that out later. And the, uh, the infamous uh, swim trunks that you wore. <laughs> yes, I want to. Again, I want to argue that point. It was at the time in the '80s and '90s that was the fashion. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. like I said, there's been uh, many a photo. I don't know why I had those. I think I had, and I don't know if I got those when I talked earlier when I went from 270 to down to the 220 or 210 range when I was really uh, caught up. Whether it was just narcissism and vanity, thinking, "Oh, look at me, I can wear these." Uh, you know, I've got a great boutique, <laughs> but it's like really. You look ridiculous, especially nowadays. You know, the kids wear the board shorts, and, and, and no one wears that crap. And unless they're still doing it on my uh, my ancestors' land there in Greece, on the Greek Isles of Mykonos, and maybe they can get away with it there in Europe. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, those I don't know. I think Amir just said, "I need you to wear something that's." Um, Do you have swimming trunks? I'm like, "Well, yeah." And he's like, "But I need something like uh, bikini-like." And that's like, "All right, well, I brought it, and that's what I ended up wearing, unfortunately." <laughs> Fashions change, though, don't they? That is, and right I think I think I think Ramrod even had said, you know, you got to hand it to Matt for even being able to pull that off, and even without even batting an eye, that uh, yeah, this is just normal attire, and I'm fine with it. But again, I wasn't even thinking like everybody else. I just thought, all right, well, whatever. She's in a bikini, I'm in a bikini, and here we are. Yeah. So, what was it like the first day then working with Amia? Oh, that was a tumultuous first day because right after we finished that scene uh, was when Amir um, wanted to do the second love scene with um, Melissa and I. And uh, I was adamant about, again, trying to figure out um, how to play this part because when Amir gave me the script and he basically, I went back and said, you know, it's a little weird. The dialogue isn't kind of how I would say things or I, we speak here because I knew he had wrote it yeah. and I was trying to explain the Iranian uh, twists or the way you're saying things. And Amir had a, a fetish for the old Westerns and a lot of his dialogue is that 
come here, hey, stop, shoot, watch that guy. So he wrote it that way, and I told him, can I change that? And he's like, of course, before we started filming, yes, no problem, You will, if you have a problem, we will adjust. So I thought, oh, okay, great, no problem. But as soon as I brought up, after we finished the pool scene, he says, okay, now you will go with Melissa and we will do the love scene. I go, yeah, I need to talk to you about that. Um, <laughs> my character, I think, would if he's falling in love with Janice, why is he whoring around with you know, Melissa? And then I see here you got another scene with me and another girl. And it's like, what's <laughs> going on with the first? And it seems to be he's always very... This is the way I wrote it. You will play it this way and it'll be fine. And it's like, okay, you know, and again, I'm sitting around with a full crew, other actors. Is it time for me to be a prima donna? You know, no. And a part of the reason that I, besides the fact in the script that it seemed a little odd, this guy shouldn't be, you know, banging every girl. I knew Melissa personally, and I met her actually um, when she had sent a picture in to Sly's casting uh, for lockup. She sent in a headshot and she was absolutely, her headshot was a beautiful, just an amazing photo. And I flipped it over and I saw a phone number and me being the goofball I am, I gave her a call and her roommate answered and she said, oh, she's not here right now. She's at work. And then I said, oh, is she, is she still over at? And I paused hoping the girl would fill in the blank. And sure enough, she said, yeah, she's at the melting pot over on set. And I said, oh, great. Yeah, I'll go see her over there. <laughs> oh. So I actually literally went down there and tracked her down and tried to explain how I came across her picture and who I work for. And she's like, yeah, right. You work for Stallone. And this and I said, no, no, really I do. And this is the picture you sent in and so on and so forth. And we struck up a, a, a good friendship and we had, um, uh, I, I, we had a, <laughs> how do I say this politely without disrespecting my wife at the time? We had a, a relationship and she was a sweet girl and, and we had a romantic uh, connection. Mm -hmm. And, um, so for me, knowing, uh, what a uh, real encounter with her and I would be, which was completely opposite of what you saw on screen, <laughs> because of course the mirror was like, you must not touch her breast. You oh, must not yeah. uh, kiss her. You must not. So he put a lot of, and I don't know if he was looking for a PG rating, but I felt, well, why is she going to be exposed with her breasts? And I'm in my underpants. It's stupid. It's going nowhere. What are we doing? I mean, our pants are on or off. And I'm not a bashful guy, but if you film it right, you don't have to be explicit. But I thought, so they're just going to be petting and kissing in underpants. <laughs> so I'm trying to argue and explain how ridiculous and pointless this is. But, of course, it's his film, and he just got very irate. This is my film. We will do it this way. So when you actually see that scene with her and I, uh, you can tell I'm a little pissed off. I'm really not there. I'm showing nothing. Um, no emotion. You know, Peter's like... And Amir's in the room with me, and he's whispering, and stroke her, and touch, you know, this kind of stuff. And I go into this a little bit more on the DVD. I explain a little bit more what's going on there. But it was just very uncomfortable, and I felt bad for Melissa. We, we did a cut, and then you see another scene where it's a little bit more relaxed because Melissa was like, Matt, I understand, and I appreciate it, but don't worry about it. Because Melissa was a playboy, playmate. She had modeled. She was comfortable, and she was a beautiful woman. I mean, she had no problem with the nudity. I, I just felt, I, I hated seeing the girls exposed, and I felt they were being exploited. And, and again, that was just me being whatever, protective, or you know, personally, and then also for the story of this movie that I thought was, you know, going to be a big, uh, you know, leap start for my career. So, but that was that, that was that same day, right after the pool, we went straight into uh, to that scene. 
Because <laughs> I was going to ask you as well, because there's quite a few sex scenes in this, and I was going to ask, <laughs> what, what, there's not one breast is touched in any sex scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's what's, it was, you know what I mean? Again, I'm not Casanova, but I am a romantic, and I know how my way around a woman. I think Ramrod <laughs> or yourself had made comments when I disappear out of frame, and he's back. It's like, <laughs> believe me. You know, I would have been down there until the sequel. That's never right. I had my way. But uh, so, again, it was a mirror that, and I don't know, maybe it was his culture, maybe that frowned. I don't know. But it, we were actually getting direction on every single one of those scenes from off camera, from a mirror. And it was literally, you know, and kiss and smoke. And I'm thinking, this is really going on too long. But we can't say cut or we, you know. And again, that was the way he shot, and I agree with everybody. It was just way too many uh, shots, and that's not the way to shoot a love scene. Again, it's just my opinion. Amir can be, again, he was the master, and it was his vision. But uh, even in some of Greg uh, Hatsunaka's work that I mentioned, that blue uh, dream, when you see his love scenes, you can really see there's shadows and there's the cuts and the angles. You know, it's, it should be done. There's a way to shoot it, but I just felt... Uh, we're doing a porno here without insertion is, is what I'm looking at. And we're closed. This is ridiculous. So, but it was tough. Yeah. Everybody seems, I think, uh, we're awkward and uncomfortable, but that's what Amir was trying to, I believe, sell, you know, obviously in the international film market action, uh, the guns, the shooting and, uh, the sex, you got to have the girls. But, um, yeah. again, I had no control and you just kind of go along and do, you know, what you're told as an actor without trying to be a, a prima donna and so I'm going to stay in my trailer. Not that there was a trailer, but, you know, until we get this settled, you just, we just, we learned early on and I, I learned I'm basically going to have to give up control here and, and just do what, what Amir wants. And again, I should have known better that when I thought, okay, I'm going to do this love scene so poorly and I'm going to give nothing that they won't use it. Well, little did I know any footage that Amir shot was in that movie. There was no... <laughs> anything ended up on the cutting room floor. So that was, that's my payback uh, from Amir. God bless him. Uh, back to me with, you know, you're not going to ruin my film. I'll show you. I'm keeping it in all these wig shots. And, you know, it was like ridiculous. How long was the initial shoot for? Uh, we started June of um, 90 and we finished in August. And what I mean finished, meaning that originally Amir thought it would take three weeks or he told me yeah. and we agreed on a price and I thought, okay, that's fine, three weeks. And it just would be two or three days shooting, then a week off. And then I think either he gathered more money or I don't know what was going on. It seems of all of his four films that he did do, this was probably the lowest budget, but actually had the most locations. So I don't know how he pulled it off. My hat's off to him for, for what he did as a filmmaker. But we finished, yeah, like I said, in August. And that included... Um, even reshoots where we finished, let's say July, and then he called me back. And goes, no man, I want to add a little more, because you know, as a courtesy, uh, we obviously will get into the wig thing, but uh, you, you don't change your look until we know it's a locked print and we're good to go. And he's happy, and that was it. So yeah. three months, I would say, on that initial principal photography and, and uh, some of the looping, hmm. dubbing. It's like you said, though. It's it's good because there is there's a hell of a lot of locations in it. Oh, as a, as Amir was a master at using one location for several scenarios. I talk about it in the DVD. A lot of the locations I let you know, and you find out how many other places are you really, really, that's the same place, just a reverse angle or mm. or this or that. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of hidden gems that, that, and Amir, again, he was very frugal, but yet smart as a filmmaker to 
take advantage of that and, and, and pull it off, you know, as he did. Because what I mean, it starts. I mean, if we, we're not going to do like a commentary for the whole film, but there's all with this. There's certain things, and I'm sure listeners are going to want us to ask certain questions. Yes. And um, <clears throat> there's like the drug deal at the start, which is we, we <laughs> in, in the most conspicuous place you could ever do a drug daily, like broad daylight at, <laughs> at a dock somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. We like I said, we get into that on the DVD too. But it was. It, uh, um, <laughs> I don't know. And again, when when you read the script, I, I he didn't. You would see that it was a uh, boat or some type. Of, I didn't realize that it. Like you have all pointed out, it's a rental. It's in the <laughs> marina. It's like the most obvious. Like and, and again, you can begin to. And and again, I don't know. If, and I've often wondered, am I guilty because of the wig? If we took away the wig in the movie. I wonder if the movie would have been so harshly watched, judged, and picked through. Because once the wig comes on, it takes that movie in a completely different direction to be watched by the viewer. So I wonder sometimes, did I ruin his movie because of what happened? But then again, (laughs) the circumstances of why and how I got the wig, I put that back on a mirror. I mean, when you say we're done, we're wrapped. You know, and then I go on to look for other work and change my look for blah blah blah. Mm. It's just I wonder, but yeah, that 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 marina scene and the suitcase and a waving like you guys said, oh goodbye, see you. you know, like we're all buddies and <laughs> waving just the, the craziness of. And again, it's people. Most of the guys weren't actors; they were friends of Amir's, perhaps they were just available. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's just uh, he had so many people in that movie that were just from I don't know where he got them. And it's just, it's hilarious to see it and look back at it now and and look at the same things that you look at. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way it's cut and edited as well, your first appearance on screen is when you've got the wig on. Yeah, and that's a medium shot, almost a close-up. Now, when Amir came to me and we went through the whole thing and found out that I had cut my hair and blah, 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 and he took me immediately down to a wig shop and grabbed the first thing off the shelf, I'm thinking, okay, he's got a couple shots, maybe it's from a distance. Uh, it'll fine, it'll match. No way, shape, or form did I imagine <laughs> that it would be literally that wig is on through half of the movie. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. Close-ups, monologues, key points in the script, uh, chase scenes, fight scenes, you've got to be kidding So, I mean, I was, just, and that's what put me even more into the mood of I am not even going to do my best work here because this is absolutely ludicrous. <laughs> I am not going to give this close-up and do it any way good at all in a performance that he'll use it where he, he'll have to not use it. And I asked myself, because Amir was the master of coverage, you know, what happened to the shots that we, was it damaged film? I don't know. Maybe it was shots that he just thought he needed after he looked at it again. I don't know, but I'm thinking that's really a colossal um, mistake to have to have that much more you wanted after you said this movie was a wrap. Oh yeah. So, I mean, it's just, and again, that's the maybe the beauty, the magic of what it is. But uh, you know, as a film and as an actor looking at it, I'm just going, "Oh my God, I can never let this be seen by anybody." <laughs> oh no, so, I, I think it's part of the charm of it. I think it really is, and it's we're just always amazed at, um, like you touched on then, the amount of times, the amount of scenes that are, must have been just like half completed. You know, be it a fight or the the scene with the captain at the station, and you're talking to him, and the <laughs> the shots from behind, it's your real hair, and then it cuts to the shots of you, and it's the wig, and it's like it just constantly. So we have, well, you've heard, you know, because you've heard the commentary, and now we do have the drinking game where, whenever we see you with the wig, we we have to shout 
wig and take a Which drink. Which is brilliant. I love that. That was absolutely... I, I don't know if anybody could make it through the movie. You'd be absolutely <laughs> blottled, plastered, pissed out of your mind. I mean, there's just no way. But it's... And again, I just feel so bad. But again, look at how much coverage, how much... And I don't know what Amir went through. Maybe he tormented it. He just thought, I need more. idea. I don't know. Yeah. Because you look at all that. And maybe some of the fight scenes were too short. I don't know, but like some of them said, then why did he speed the film up? Why not slow him down yeah. and make it last longer? Or, But even Gerald and I, when I would have fight scenes, and, I, and, and again, I was embarrassed because, you know, Gerald's a master mm-hmm. in Aikido and, and weaponry, and he was actually the one that choreographed, you know, Robert and I in fight scenes. I'm just so embarrassed. I'm, I'm apologizing. I, I'm sorry I'm disrespecting your art uh, because it, basically we would just rehearse, I don't know, 30 minutes before we did a scene sometimes. And, he would try to give me a couple directions because a lot of my background as a bodyguard and, and, and the techniques that I learned were um, taken from a plethora of different arts, Japanese. Um, and it's kind of what MMA is now today. We did then. We were boxers. We also knew if we went to the ground, how to put somebody in a wrist lock or a head, you know, a control hold, uh, pressure points. I mean, we were taught how to incapacitate attacker uh, very quickly uh, or even fatally if we had to versus someone who is an art, uh, you know, a, a fifth degree black belt in Aikido is a lot different when you see that. It's a disrespect to just pull chunks out of and try to act like you're a you know, master samurai, you know, whatever. Mm, yeah. But again, I had to, to suspend that disbelief, me as an actor, and letting Amir just, okay, that's the way you think these things should go down as, you know, swashbucklers battling <laughs> instead of a true samurai fight would not even be that. So it was hard for me with Gerald there to, um, you know, to, to show honor to him because he is a, just a great, great guy. And, uh, and, and hats off to him for him, you know, just being able to share with us and, and, and feeling that it was okay to do what we were doing without yeah. embarrassing, you know, himself. Well, Koska's one of the infamous scenes, one of my favourite bits in it, is your fight with Gerald, and he pulls your wig off, and they don't, you know, if whoever was editing it just, you know, just trimmed a few more frames off, it would be fine. Can you remember that, what happened that day, and him pulling the wig off? Yeah, that, I didn't, I, and I never even, I, I, I didn't see it in the film until you guys pointed out, just like on the Blu-ray, there's things that I point out that that uh, the guy that was doing the commentary with me goes, oh my God, I never noticed that. And I'm thinking, well, when everybody else started, I started thinking, so here's this, here's that. And I share it with everybody, the things that I found, just like that with the wig. And then I noticed that it did come off and he did cut it. I don't know if he could have cut it, like you had said, just a little bit sooner, or maybe yeah. it went past the mirror and he didn't notice it. But I mean, uh, Gerald and I were laughing. I remember, because <laughs> uh, and there was many scenes with, even with uh, Robert, you know, I turn my head too fast to, to take a punch or to feign a punch. It would fly off. And it's like, this is getting, and it would get dirty and it had pay in it. Or, you know, and it just became like this creature on its own. And I'm like, Amir, really? And he goes, it's fine. And he would come over and he would comb it and brush it on me. And it was just so hilarious. But again, we weren't making a comedy. So, you know, I just felt, I mean, and I, actually those wig shots took another literally Jesus, I want to say a month wow. of on and off, on and off days here and there. And I thought, really? 
a mirror. We're still going back. You know, when we got past the initial blow up, when he saw me with my hair short, he just was like, you fucked my film up. And I'm like, <laughs> how did I fuck it up? You said we were done. I, I, I have some more things. I go, I know, but you told me we were done. I, my agent wanted me to cut my hair because like I said, they're not, I'm not doing, I can't keep doing the long hair look. I don't care. This is bullshit. We're leaving now. And I literally, he threw me in his car and we drove off to Hollywood <laughs> and, and, I get. I don't know. I don't know if there was a, a hurry. I mean, could we have at least looked for something closer? I, again, I don't know. I was just. I felt bad, and I just thought, you know what? I, I feel bad, even though I thought, you know, it's not my fault. But I know it's your film, and I want you to be able to release it. So whatever I can do to help you, and it just turned out being another month of of of, of wig wearing, uh, and then Mark showing up, and everybody else like, what the hell's going on? So I don't know. We got to reshoot. Robert was crack it up i mean it was it's hilarious i wonder what happened to that wig i'd love to know i know i posted something on imdb i said something that i released it into the wild in the santa monica <laughs> mountains and it's something to the effect that it's out there now lurking and preying upon uh, film directors that don't have permits filming in the wild something like that i put on <laughs> i don't know what happened to the damn thing i probably threw it finally it, it gave it back to a mirror just threw away i'm like are we done done this time seriously because i'm done with wigs you mentioned Robert as well, and of course, you know, Robert Zadar, he was, well, he was in Tango and Cash with Sly at the time that, you know, you were working with Sly, wasn't he? Yes, and I never really formally had conversations with him, but I was on the set, and I remember filming those scenes on the stage there over at Warner Brothers, um, and, and he was there, and, you know, obviously he had some striking um, presence and look, and I thought, wow, that guy, that's great casting, and, mm-hmm. and not even knowing, you know, Except I knew him there from that. And then when I saw him on set for the first day, I went, oh, my God, you're, weren't you in? Oh, yeah, that was me. And then I didn't have any idea he had done Maniac Cop and, and, and a whole bunch of other movies. Yeah. But that was my first meeting with Robert. And we kind of had a, a quick connection there. And then it was just kind of right into – and him and I didn't have very many scenes together. It was We were always separated. And it was either the fight scenes or the shootout that we shot up at that uh, – ranch in the San Fernando Valley mm-hmm. where most of the uh, outdoor, you know, as we see the foliage change from summer to winter on the trees, <laughs> as everyone noticed. Um, but that's where him and I spent some time together. And then me at the time, I was thinking as an actor, I'm doing this film with a mirror. It's a non, you know, it's a, a non-fag film, low budget. Um, and I'm kind of doing it because I need to get started. This is what I need to do. And I was wondering, I wondered why uh, Robert had done that film. And I found out later that he was in two of the, uh, let's see, two other movies that had mirrored done prior to Samurai Cop. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And maybe he did those before he was um, in the Screen Actors Guild or whatever, or was starting to get some, uh, you know, more mainstream work. And I just thought, wow, that must be tough, you know, if you can't keep working. Is this what you know an actor has to do? And I'm not speaking again disparagingly about Robert, but I'm just saying, me being an actor, thinking, wow, I thought once you get going, you just keep going, or it, it just keeps opening doors for this or that. And that was the naivete of myself at the young age. But um, Robert was a professional, and I didn't realize the training that he had. He was really a really a, a well-trained actor, and, and he was good at what he, he did. A fantastic job in the movie, obviously. Most oh, yeah. people in there did compared to my <laughs> to myself, but. Uh, just a great guy. And, and like I said, we enjoyed uh, the scenes together and we worked with Gerald and, and both of us kind of knew, you know, this is going on and on. When is this going to stop? But, uh, 
But and then we never really kept in touch after it was completed. There was never a rap party or a screening or anything that Amir had. It was just everybody kind of went their own way. Yeah. I mean, the face-off with Robert works well as well because, like, he's a big guy as well, isn't he? Yeah, he was in good shape. He was a big guy, and I know he's made comments in some of his commentaries uh, on both DVDs, I think, of Samurai Cop, where he, when they asked him about, the, uh, what about Matt Hannon? He go, oh, him and his turkey. That's all the guy ate uh, was turkey, <laughs> and, which was a little ridiculous. I didn't eat just turkey, but I did have a very strict, healthy diet, which obviously as you see how I looked in the movie, that comes from uh, a disciplined diet and exercise. But I ate fruits and vegetables also, but it's not like we had uh, uh, full catering on Amir's set. <laughs> so I brought my own food, and I was accustomed to eating you know, certain foods. And turkey, to this day, has still been the main core of my diet for the last 30 years, ground white turkey breast. I still eat at least, yeah. I don't know, half a pound a day. And Yeah, I mean, it's just because, I, I, of course, I love fish. But how are you going to eat that on set? And if you're kissing a girl, who needs to have the fish breast? <laughs> Tuna fish is a good source of protein, same thing. Um, and then I kind of pared it down. Chicken's good, but it's got a little bit more fat than turkey. So I just basically narrowed it down to, for a while, I ate ostrich. That's a very, very lean red meat yeah. and high in protein. But um, I could notice physically the difference in, in my body. Um, and uh, I just have always stuck with... Uh, turkey i'm surprised i haven't developed a gobbler under my chin but it's just <laughs> my favorite it's my food i mean i really like what i eat and everyone's like how can you eat the same damn thing every day and it's like well you see me now on youtube i'm 50 and i i, I dare you to find any other man my age that doesn't look like his stomach's in his third trimester of pregnancy <laughs> and he's lost all of his hair so i'm going to be thankful for what i have and uh you know uh, fortunately for me, as this has come along, you know, we t we actually could have started shooting the day I put the YouTube video. It wasn't like, oh, I need six months to get back in shape for that. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, and I didn't do that for that reason. It's just my own narcissism and vanity of wanting to stay. And again, it probably stems back to my childhood, always being picked on and goofed about my looks. Mm -hmm. I have no problem looking at myself in a mirror. I think, okay, not bad, but I hate seeing any photographs of myself or anything on film. I don't know what it is. I'm kind ah. of the same, like Howard Stern, I think, is the same way. And I just really, and that's why it's hard for me to take pictures. When Greg had called me and we finally met over in Calabasas, where I live, uh, for lunch, Greg Hatsunaka, I just met him and he had his video camera and he wanted to take pictures. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> A, because I'm in my neighborhood and I don't want anybody to overhear us talking about this movie because they may go Google it. And B, I just don't <laughs> like the way that I look when I'm photographed. And I... And again, this is the first time I'm meeting Greg. What a pompous fuck he must have thought I was. You know, oh, what do you mean? I don't take pictures. And they actually sat at a table at an outdoor restaurant. And me just being me in my real life, I don't like to be around people or sit in that. Kind of, I like to be in a corner kind of off away because I already, with my freakish looks, attract attention. People are, you know, like I said, wondering, is that Ozzy Osbourne? Or who is? So my kids have been able to deal with that through the years. Anywhere we go, heads turn or people at the airports are like, hey, I know you. Or they just stare. And my kids just like, what are you staring at? And I go, hey, stop. They've never seen a guy my age with hair. And most men don't look like me. They look normal. <laughs> so there again, I'm telling, oh, let's move from this table, Greg. I'd like to sit over here. So again, and that's what I'm talking about. The, the, the samurai cop world in my world things that I normally would do could be construed as pompous and arrogant, you know, mm. now. So, but, uh, yeah, I just really had a hard time with, 
with pictures and, and, and like I said, the way I look, it's very hard for me to watch those love scenes. Um, again, partly because I'm kissing kind of the way with the direction that mirror gave me and B it's just so ridiculous. I mean, I just, I, I cringe. It's just so horrible. But anyway, uh, you know, so I guess uh, hopefully Greg knows how to photograph me for this <laughs> sequel. <laughs> Well, st- let's, let's stick with sort of food related because you're on about like, with the turkey and everything. The scene in the restaurant in Samurai Cop, who who on earth was the waiter guy that you meet on the way out? The one that we that we you, come down and he's like they get some sort of pantomime dame over here from a sort of Christmas play. Yep, and you know what? I want to give another shout out to uh, Greg Hatsunaka because he uncovered four of Amir's or three of the other films besides Samurai Cop, and that guy is in two of the other three movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't even know if Greg realized that. I just recently watched Killing American Style or whatever it's oh, called. Oh, yeah, great film. And, yeah, but he's the Asian doctor. Yeah. <laughs> That's him. But again, you wouldn't know that. And if you really want, and that was done earlier, obviously Samurai Cop was his final performance where he's more flamboyant. And then he's also in Gypsy, which is another film I haven't seen yet, but on the poster of Gypsy, he's the guy in the upper right. I think he's playing an Indian. Ah. So uh, Joselito, whatever. So again, that's Amir kind of doing what he had done. He used a lot of the same actors from Gypsy, a Killing American Style, and Hollywood Cop in all three films. I was the newest coming in on Samurai Cop, yeah. where Robert you know, had worked with him and some of the other talent um, had been uh, there. But yeah, that guy, that's where he came from. I didn't know where he was from. I showed up that day and he started with... <laughs> <laughs> like really what the fuck is going on am i supposed to really have a conversation in here and he goes no this is funny i go okay now we're a comedy but before you know so i again we i start arguments because i had no continuity or bearings as an actor how to play this character and you see in that scene a little bit more of me um loosening up not being so rigid like amir wanted you talk like this and you're serious and you don't show expression there I'm kind of like, oh, really? Where? You know, I, 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 there's fluctuation in my tone, in my voice. And, uh, you know, so again, it was just odd continuity. But that guy was absolutely uh, uh, another one that stole the show besides the police chief. I think it's just oh, memorable yeah. for performances. Definitely so. <laughs> what was it like doing the car chase then? The, when you're chasing the van, when you're chasing the bad guys in the van? <laughs> Those were just, oh my God, ongoing and ridiculous. Um, they, uh, again, in the script, which we all have mocked, I am reading you the lines as many times as Amir wrote it in the script. Shoot him. Shoot and him now. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going, how about I just say it once and then I change to kill the fucker or something, you know, and Amir's like, no, 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 just shoot. And again, it goes back to his love of the old Westerns and Gary Cooper and John Wayne with, I'm going to shoot, shoot him, partner, you know, whatever. <laughs> That was his. That was his exposure as an Iranian to American film. Um, but yeah, we shot that several, man, just several different times. Like I said, um, with either Peter in the car with the point of view from Mark's point of view looking at me, or from the back seat shooting over our shoulders, um, and we would just drive up and down a street over there near where the ranch was in the San Fernando Valley, and the mirror would just have to stop, turn around, the mirror would, you know give us directions, say this again. He had a walkie-talkie, so he would say, you know, say shoot, and and shoot again. And then remember you see me steering the car and my hands don't even touch the wheel, we're parked, <laughs> and I'm just gliding my hand over, and I'm thinking, I thought Peter framed it where you wouldn't see. Again, I'm trusting, if we all know 
that I'm not moving, make sure you show me not moving. <laughs> but, you know, that's just one of the many magic you know, moments of the film where little things come up and you're like, what? The? He's not even driving. What's he doing? <laughs> the pressure was on then. Pressure was on you and Mark because you two guys had to put out the stuntman that was on fire as well after it crashed. Yeah, that was crazy also. That was a, a crazy day. Um, I think we did the, remember when the van blows up? Yeah. Uh, or supposedly when it crashes three miles an hour and came down the yes. dirt. <laughs> that was the same day. I guess the guy was a pyrotechnic kind of guy, and, and he uh, he was there that day, and here we were in the middle of nowhere. And Amir, I mean, you know, Amir would call Mark and I and say, all right, tomorrow we'll meet at 3 o'clock at the ranch. And so we'd show up, and it's just a couple people. Like I said, the beginning of the production, Amir had some money, and he had, you know, uh, a sound guy that would put body mics on us, um, he had a script girl that was really making sure we stayed verbatim to how the script was written. But then as the production went on, it just, these people started disappearing. The lighting guy, the sound guy, we ended up just having, uh, boom mics, which is why in a lot of my scenes, if I was talking to you like this, if with a, boom, uh, a body mic, I could speak at this level, but with a boom mic, Amir would want us to speak this loud. So as you can see, this comes across as really bad acting. <laughs> so, and I would tell him, I mean, I don't want to shout this. No, you must. You must. I can't hear you. You must be louder. And he would say louder. And so this is the things we went up. So when we showed up that day with this fire going on, there was no uh, fire, you know, on a typical set, you would have safety precautions there. Mm. Uh, it just didn't happen there on that, uh, on that set that day. And it was Mark and I were just looking at it. It's like, really? We're going to, this guy's going to be on fire. And it's like, it was just, it was crazy and, and, and dangerous. And I think Mark even made a point about that, uh, that he was like, man, I mean, it was scary for him. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, if he doesn't go out, what the hell do we do? And he's <laughs> like, no, I'm really, you know, I'm really burning. And when you hear the guy yelling and screaming, that's a mirror in post-production. Any voice, uh, I would say 90% of any of the looped voices in this film are a mirror. And I don't know why. Because he had Mark and I in there on several days, and he even looped one of my lines, which we talk about in the uh, DVD or the Blu-ray. And I was like, why did he do that? Did I leave? And then he just said, oh, I'll save this for Matt. And I'm like, really? <laughs> but, I mean, and then Mark Frazier doesn't even recall. You remember the scene where I have my hat on with Walt Disney up looking at the old Ken Machine uh, footage? Mm -hmm. um, we're looking at whatever. I don't know what the hell we're looking at, whatever Amir wrote that in for. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the voice is Mark Frazier uh, talking as an old man. He goes, are you expecting anybody or whatever he says? And Mark says, no, that wasn't me. And I go, Mark, I'm fucking telling you that was you because him and I both were in the studio looping that. And he goes, no, I never did any. I go, yes, you did. There's a couple scenes where you say, no, Joe, you're a cop. You looped that. You didn't say that as a wild line on set. You actually were in because really, so I just was shocked that he didn't even remember that. But yeah, most of those, the guy burning, yeah, yeah, help me, I'm burning. It's just a mirror, <laughs> you know, uh, making up these voices that just don't even match. But what a crazy day that was. It was just unbelievable oh, yeah. that was going on. Because that stuntman does look a little bit worried at the end when the blanket, because the blanket sort of goes half over him to start with. And you can see him sort of look around going, there's still bits of me on fire. Uh, yeah, correct. He broke character. And I actually, even after, if you would have let that, if Amir would have let that play out a little, I lift the blanket up again and he's still on fire. Oh, my And I think God. We, hit him, we hit him again after cut with the fire extinguisher, I believe. 
to get him out out. He had some fire retardant gel obviously on him, but yeah. it's just uh I mean he was a fucking firework. He was just burning and I don't know if that stuff was supposed to go. I mean it's hard when you smother. You know, they talk about stop, drop and roll because you gotta smother the flames, but apparently that blanket wasn't doing the trick, so <laughs> very dangerous. Really dangerous. I think it leads to one of the most famous scenes of the film, doesn't it? Because this this poor guy who's been on fire he ends up in hospital. And um, <laughs> I think everybody that watches Samurai Cop that I've watched it with for the first time, this this is the one where it's always, rewind that scene again. They have to watch it at least three times for it to sink in with the nurse outside his room. What was it like when you got the lines to to that script where she comes out and it's... Well, well I had read that in the script because all those lines are obviously ver- verbatim as Amir wrote mm-hmm. And I don't know if he thought that, that they were funny. But again, you know, it's not for me to judge, and I and I and I hope everyone understands. I do have nothing but admiration, you know, for Amir. I mean, he obviously gave me as a young actor an opportunity of a lifetime to star oh, yeah. and have your own. I don't mean star. Obviously, Robert Zadar was an actor, but the, basically, it's Samurai Cop, and I play Samurai Cop. Mm-hmm. But what an honor and what a privilege! Most guys are just barely trying to be an extra on film to get going, and here, you know, Amir offered me you know, this great role and, and, you know, it, it did become what it became, but um, to read the script and to see that scene uh, with her, and I think even her and I were just cracking up at how ridiculous <laughs> it was. And, and she was a little new also uh, as an actress. And again, uh, my performance, I don't want to keep saying, Oh, because of the mic or because of the dialogue, I want to let people know, I would say 80% of that is poor acting on my behalf. And a lot of that comes from, um, a, me not really, I don't know, I don't want to say fully committing to, but realizing this really wasn't, uh, like I said, there was no backstory for me to pull about Joe. All we knew is that he came from San Diego. And I would try to say, well, okay, he speaks fluent Japanese. Do you want me to say it? Are we going to do that? No, let's just shoot this. You know, So everything was just kind of, now you're with the nurse and here's the words. And I'm thinking, why would he be saying this when he's trying to profess his love for this Janice? I still don't get why you have me doing <laughs> these stupid things. And then he's throwing in the racial things with Mark and I in the dialogue um, and throughout the movie. And again, I don't know if, I don't think Amir purposely did that. I don't know if it's because of the culture differences, um, you know, and Mark's even felt, you know, like he said, you know, it's kind of some of the things are derogatory. We tried to make him funny and Mark actually gave me permission to, in certain scenes, uh, he led me, as he said, down the path to let me know it's okay to mock this. I get it, though. Because, you know, me personally, Matthew's thinking, I would never say these things to you. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you're supposed to be an actor and in the moment. But that's, that shit all went out the door, obviously. We were just Matt and and uh, Mark reciting lines from uh, Amir's script. And you can <laughs> see sometimes our focus wasn't there. We weren't in the moment. So here I am with the nurse. You know, do you like what you know? I love it. You know, it's like, really? I mean, seriously. And, and it's just, and then Mark, to his credit, I think at that point knew this is ridiculous. He started making those faces, I think, for my benefit. So I would crack up because I'm off camera. As a, and Amir would just put the camera on Mark and say, okay, and react. And we wouldn't know what we were acting to. So he would just make up a face. So again, it's the brilliance of the editing that, you know, Mark puts in these these just amazing faces, <laughs> which are what I'm talking about in a sequel. You can't do that again because that's a special, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. a, it's, that's why Mark and I are in a position now to kind of wonder where can we really 
take this now because we're going to get really good dialogue. Yeah. And is that still going to be entertaining for the fans? Because again, that's the lovability of Mark. That's the lovability of me was, mm-hmm. you know, the goofy acting and, uh, you know, so, but it's just, I think at that point we all started, um, having our own fun on set to get through those days when we were just like, I can't believe we're doing this. This is just crazy. <laughs> I was just thinking then about, you know, the sequel, if, because it, it must be so tough because this has got such a great following. It's not just even a cult following. It's because it's, it's, it's just snowballing like mad all the time. And the, it's, it's got to be such a tough decision of where to go with number two, because you can't, like you said, you can't like copy like Mark's reactions then because that was just, that was of the moment then and that what's makes it so great. And, um, even with the wig stuff, you know, it's like, do you do something where you see Samurai Cop and he, he's just like walking past the wig store? And so fans of the first one will sort of go, oh, there's a little cheeky nod to the original because it's a wig store, Correct. say, instead of, oh, let's let's put Matt in a wig again, you know, instead of doing something blatant like that. It's, it's got to be so tough, you know, for everybody involved. And that's why, I, yeah, that's why I've been having conversations with Greg and not to give away too much, but I felt the same way as you did. I think you need to... Uh, make a sequel that, that 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 the fans will kind of be in on certain things. Just like you mm-hmm. said, that's a great example. Something about a wig, or if I look, they're going to yeah. get it. Yeah, if somebody totally. watching the new movie, it's pointless, means nothing. Yeah, and uh, so because you got to make the sequel where it could stand alone mm-hmm. as is as a sequel, but yet for the fans, you do want to throw in some of the things that you could, maybe phrases, words, any sentence could be used differently. Yeah. Uh, you know, even like keep it warm. If I could be saying that, <laughs> oh, your dinner's up. Oh, I got to go, but, you know, keep it warm. Yeah, it's just something I'm saying. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything to the new viewer, but to everyone like, oh, my God, that's keep it warm. Remember, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm hoping we're going to be able to do something like that and because and, and you can't overdo that. But I'm thinking there should be oats and, uh, you know, tips of the hat to the to the original. Because, oh, like definitely. I said, yeah, a lot of that magic you couldn't recapture. Oh, no, you can't. It, it's, I think this is where a few sequels fail, isn't it? They tried to do more or less an exact copy. And it just it just doesn't work again if you try to do that. Because it is it is what it is purely because of what happened then. And it's something that you can't recreate. Correct. And especially in that situation. like, But, for example, uh, Sly with the Rocky movies. If you watch his movies, it, it, it's a formula. If you watch them side by side, it's always the same type of formula you could change the script and the scenario a little bit but it's still the same formula so if we still stick to a buddy cop thing it's still sticking to the original but you can't you're going to have to change uh you know the dialogue but you don't want to go too far away from but again like we've talked about all of us so far mark and i and and greg there's so many ways uh, you know uh, so many years have gone by, you know, what happened and again and again we don't want to talk too much now to spoil it if one of these ideas does become what we do, but there's just, uh, it's, it's kind of a weird spot to be in. It's fun. But again, that pressure's on because, you know, you've got to really step up the bat here on the sequel, especially because these guys are really wanting to do a third, which I'm just thinking, you know, we're not doing Star Wars for God's sake. <laughs> I've got to retire this character someday, but, uh, yeah, so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think we've got a great writer, Rich, uh, that's involved in, and, and Greg and his visions and a lot of the way he shoots. I think we're going to be, um, giving them something that they really want to see. I think it's going to work out good. I think it's good as well, because we mentioned uh, in the first chat with you, when we talked about, you know, all about your life and that, and uh, I, I said as well about the, some of the fantastic photographs you've been so kind to send to us. One of the photographs was about the car. 
you know, the car yeah. that the, you've still got the same car that was in Samurai Cop. Yeah, I wonder if that's fiscally because I still have it, or <laughs> if it's more or less sentimental because I bought that thing brand new, and, and my wife uh, and I came to California in that, and and it's I uh, brought my daughters home from the hospital in that, and I used to chase fly all around L.A. in that if I didn't, you know, have uh, the the IROC Z to to because you know as bodyguards you follow behind the principal wherever you're protecting, and so I would want to be alone and be on private calls in his Porsche, or he had a Mercedes AMG that was very very fast. And I would follow him all around in that uh, car. And at that time, you know, I would easily get up to. And I remember one time driving home down PCH with Fly, and he just thought it would be fun to tear off and try to lose me, which was his little fun games that he would play. And I actually just kept with him all the way. And we're doing 100, 120 in and out, oh, wow. all the way down PCH to his house. And at the very last light, before you go down his private road, uh, he, he made it through, and I I stopped and I radioed ahead to the bodyguards waiting at the house and said, okay, Sly will be there in a second. Because we had radios in the car so we could talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, the CHP, California Highway Patrol, pulls right up behind me like Larry. I pull over. He gets out. He's just livid. Who the fuck do you, what the <laughs> hell are you? Get up against the car. And I'm, hey, all right, hey, no problem. He's like, do you know how fast you were going? I've been chasing you for 10 miles and I couldn't catch you and this and that. <laughs> And I said, uh, you know, uh, let me explain. I said, I, I work for Sylvester Stallone, and I'm, I'm this. But yeah, right, and I fucking know Harrison Ford. Get up against the car. <laughs> I go, no, seriously. So I said, I, I was following home, and I said, there was somebody that was next to him, and they were, it, it seemed to be a, a, a dangerous situation. And I told Sly, take off. And I was trying to catch up to him. I didn't know if he ever shook the guy. I don't, you know, I'm making this up, of course. It was all bullshit. <laughs> and I said, and I, I, I seriously, he flies just down the street. I go, if you want, we can go down. And he's like, oh, okay. All right, smart ass. Let's go. Okay, I'll fly. Let's go to Sly's house. You know, <laughs> so we drive down a few feet and I was in the car, in my car with the radio. And I quickly go, I call Sly. I go, Sly, listen, I just got pulled over. The guy thinks I'm bullshitting. And I'm, I go, we're coming to the house. And, and, you know, I just want to explain to him that I told him that you were being chased. He's like, oh, absolutely. I got the story. You know, he's ready. <laughs> so we pull up and sure enough, the guy's just, oh my God, like a little girl. Oh, Mr. Sloan. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> he's all happy because technically he was supposed to arrest me. Anything over a hundred miles is a felony. Oh yeah. my God. That could have been my first trip to the Pope. Oh, no. But, but it's just funny that that car has been so much again in my life in, in certain situations. And I, I had seen fly even, as, uh, I think the last time I really saw fly in person was in 99 because he would train with George, uh, directly after my appointment time. Mm-hmm. Cause it was one-on-one training after that. George just had me in the gym or whoever his client was. And I loved just training with George. So that's what I did. But, uh, and I still had the car and so I was like, I can't believe you still have this fucking thing. I know. Can you give me a job? Maybe I can get a nice Mercedes. And But I, it became an obsession for me to see how many miles I could put on it. And, and to date, it still has 608,000 original miles. Oh, wow. And I've, I've painted it every other, um, uh, you know, couple of years and, and kept it in shape. But the problem is going to be if it's ever hit bad, unless I have another car that I'm just taking parts of, or engine pieces, you can't get them anymore. It's just going to be eventually I'll have to either, you know, buy a second car and take parts from it, or I just want to see how long it'll last. I don't know what's going to happen once it finally says time to rebuild the engine or, or, or you know, it's just done. But, uh, yeah, it's just funny to see that. And I said, we should actually have this in the movie that that's the time machine that I just traveled <laughs> in from. And that's why I still look almost the same, and I'm still driving the same car. But, yeah, Greg thought that was colors too, and we, I, that's why I shot you guys up. 
a picture, oh. and he's incorporated that somehow in the uh, Blu-ray. Oh, that's just superb. <laughs> that's really good. It's ridiculous. But... <laughs> I mean, I had daughters. I had daughters to put through school, and there was other things, obviously, to spend money on, and I didn't want to deal with car payments. It, it, it's just so again, it's just been something that it's fun for me to still see people I haven't seen in years and still have, and they're just like, oh my god, I can't believe it's still happening. <laughs> well, it's great. Though. It's got history for all sorts of reasons. It's really good that you've still got it. Yeah, yeah, that's the sentimentality. I think it's just too sentimental to, to get yeah. rid of. I'll probably end up just keeping it, even if I buy something else eventually. Oh, definitely, yeah. You can't get rid of it now. That's no. It. It'd be like a family <laughs> heirloom that's passed it's, down. It's, it's going to have to make a cameo, I think, in the movie. I don't oh, know how, but we'll, we'll get it in there. Yeah. Because oh, I, I actually drove it in the movie three times, like I said, in the, the, the three or four scenes we had it. Uh, in it. Otherwise, we were driving the uh, that LTD or whatever it was, a Caprice that we beat the hell out of. <laughs> now, Matt, please, if you can clear up some sort of mystery, the the scene that you've got with Janice in the rest <clears throat> in the restaurant, where it's in her office. What is going on with the wool lion's head that just like dominates the scene every time it's on screen? <laughs> Was, <laughs> that, was was that originally the in the room? That wasn't set dressing, was it? Or was that originally in that location? Amir, again, we used, um, I, I don't know if they were friends of his or he knew these locations, but that was a location that he knew about. And um, and I talk uh, uh, in great detail about that in the DV, uh, the Blu-ray. But yeah, that was actually not a, a prop. <laughs> that was there. And, and apparently Amir, I think he just loved, him, or Peter, I don't know who framed, but made sure that that was in every... <laughs> And again, the room that we shot in was within a house that we did four other scenes in. So maybe we were just kind of really, if you look at that scene, it's a white walled room. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's actually a reverse angle of the shot when I enter, when Janice and I, after church, I take her to my house and I have my coat off and I throw my glasses on the little uh, couch and I mm-hmm. say, come here, let me show you around. That point of view is from that wall. So if you... <laughs> Spun around and then shot. That's what Amir did. He shot that scene. Her office was that part of that little uh, front room of that lady's house there in Venice, uh, California, right there to buy the boardwalk. Oh, brilliant. So, and I, I'm almost tempted to go back down there. I kind of remember where the home is, and I pray to God that she still has that same thing up because that would definitely be in there as a cameo if we can find it. But, uh, uh, yeah, hilarious piece of, <laughs> piece of set decoration there that oh, wasn't. Yeah purposeful it just was what it was like everything else there I, it was never in the budget to oh, no. dress any <laughs> any scene it deserved its own screen credit that one did yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, yeah because it's after that scene when you come downstairs and there's the, the fight scene in the disco as well yes so what about with, that... with the, the choreographing all the fights as well did you have any sort of say in any choreography because you know you got to the history of doing a self-defense and martial arts and so on yeah which again would be boring on you know because you it would be a control take somebody down or strike them once and it'd be over but for the purposes of uh, in the script it, it i think amir just had fight scene and uh what he had done outside of my viewing he did a lot of that casting he was seeing people constantly and a lot of those guys were martial artists so they would come up with, or I would talk to him and say, all right, what's the deal here, Ramirez? Oh, I want you to beat the shit out of them and then trace them down. So I said, mm-hmm. okay, well, to get there, we need to have something that the audience is going to want to watch. So we all would uh, literally, you know, like, again, spend 20, 30 minutes really quickly because Amir didn't have a lot of time to waste. 
especially at that venue. That was the upstairs of the uh, restaurant where we filmed the restaurant scene. Yeah. That was like Mark Frazier had mentioned. It was a very famous uh, Carlos and Charlie's restaurant in, on Sunset. Uh, and it was a hot nightclub at night upstairs, and that's where we shot that uh, that scene. But yeah, they just basically the the guy that I chase, you know, around with the doggy on the fence. That guy was <laughs> the one I think came up with that choreography, and uh, uh, we just you know went through all that and, and 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 did that, which was fun. I mean, I didn't mind. I liked doing all that stuff. And the guys were great, you know. And again, you're dealing with professionals that kind of know because it's important when you're doing fight scenes. You know, you could hurt somebody obviously. Yeah. If you don't pull the punch or you don't strike right and. I think Amir somewhat knew about camera angles, how to cheat, things like that. But a lot of it was just the camera went in one spot, we lit it, and it was trying to do everything within this framing. So, but yeah, most of that stuff was just made up at the time right there on scene. Gerald uh, did all the other martial arts scenes, him and I and Robert and I's fights. And then that scene was done by the gentleman there. I don't remember what his name was. Mm. And of course, in one fight, you chopped somebody's arm off. Yeah, that's the other guy. Um, that guy actually, his name is Tom Gleason. And uh, quick backstory on Tom. Tom also started uh, the very same day I did, April 10th of 1988, on Sly's property uh, on the same exact shift. Now Tom also is six foot four, and if you look at it again when you watch it, he also has a striking resemblance to Sly in his early Rocky days. It's just amazing <laughs> these coincidences how we were brought together. And he actually, his uh, girlfriend was a masseuse and she was the masseuse of that guy, Benny Mares, who owned the uh, security company. And Tom was a construction worker who also worked as a bouncer and he was out of work. And she said, Hey, my, my boyfriend's looking for work. And he said, you know what? Uh, this one job with Stallone, they're looking for a different, they don't want cops. They're looking for different guys. Maybe Tom will work, have him start tomorrow. And it was the exact same day as I started and him and I meeting each other for the first time, looking at each other and just cracking up. He both, uh, you know, he had watched Sly's career. Here again, another cosmic coincidence. Here we both start the very same day, similar looks to Sly. Uh, and I would, we basically crack ourselves up all day and, and recite lines from all of Sly's movies. And, and we just had a blast together. He actually went on to work for O.J. Simpson as his bodyguard, ironically. Oh. During the infamous O.J. Simpson trial, he was hired because he was still doing executive protection after he left Sly. Yeah. Uh, the Simpson family hired him to work at their property at the Rockingham Estate because there were a lot of fans coming around and people trying to look over. And, and he worked there for about a year, and then he actually was the one that picked uh, O.J. up the morning he was released. I think he knew ahead of time that he was going to get a not guilty. There's always been rumors about that, and he's never mm -hmm. disclosed that to me, but... And then he stayed on as uh, O.J.'s bodyguard. The family said, this is Tom, and he's been here uh, while you've been away, and he's been great with us. And, and I really have to say, and, and, and I mean this with everything, this guy I really admire for his character, and I have admired him uh, for many years because of the fact that they offered him $3 million to write a book uh, about his time as O.J.'s bodyguard. Now, not that he had anything salacious to say or any secrets that he knew, mm -hmm. but just to say what was it like to be the bodyguard? $3 million to a guy Whoa. when everybody else in that case, Marsha Clark, uh, Faye Resnick, were selling books left and right and making a fortune. This guy's character and his professionalism to say, no, I'm not interested because he really took it sacred and, and is a true confidant. Not only are you a bodyguard, but you are privy to just as we were with Sly in situations, we saw things, we know things that went on, you know, mm -hmm. you just, as the professionals, you don't bring it up. Yeah. 
And, and this guy was an absolute class act. And still to this day, he stayed busy and working and he kind of, you know, just barely getting by. But you think back, your life absolutely could have changed if you would have sold out or done oh, what yeah. 90% of most people would just say, fuck you, yeah, I'll take three million bucks. Here's yeah. what do you want to know. But, and, and I called him and I said, Hey, I'm doing this movie. Do you want to be in it? And he's the guy that gets his arm chopped off <laughs> uh, in the movie. And I'm like, Tom, I didn't know. And he's like, don't worry about it, man. It's cool. And he loved every bit of that, putting in the fake arm and the blood and the, and he did a great job screaming and yelling. And it was just an, another fun moment for he and I to share. And we've stayed in touch through the years, not as close as we were then, but I really miss him. He's just a great guy. And recently I've been in touch with him when this all happened. I said, you're not going to believe this. I got to meet you. <laughs> and he's just cracking up and enjoying it. But uh, it's just, uh, and he actually still has that same shirt that oh. he wore that got chopped off. And uh, he actually ended up chopping the other one off and he kind of wears it. as a, But I mean, can you imagine 25 years later? Just like I still have that stupid bikini in the storage, <laughs> I think. And the car, but it's like, here again, this guy's got that piece of history, but I don't know if the fans know that, if you wore it or if you, and again, I'm telling you, you got to do a cameo. I don't know oh, yeah. how or what you're going to do, but I mean, that would be hilarious. That would be um, fantastic. This one-armed guy. That's correct. Simple. And then even though it's 25 years later, there could be a, a, whatever brings us together. I don't know what scenario we may hold that off. But we kind of look at each other like, you kind of, do I know you from somewhere? And you just <laughs> let it go. That's for the fans. Yeah. If you do it right. And then the new people could care less what the hell that was about. But mm -hmm. again, there's so many things to do. But um, yeah, that was a crazy scene that day because Amir's like, you're going to chop his arm. I go, really? What are we going to get? A mannequin arm or something? I don't know what the hell it was that we used. But again, it just kept going downhill <laughs> day by day on that on that shooting, as you saw with the paintballs and the pyrotechnics and the rolling yeah. candles being shot. I was going to ask you then about the scene when Robert Zadar's got the, the machine gun and he's shooting at everybody. And I, th I was going to say, is it paintballs? Because I'm sure in some you can see them bouncing off the car and bouncing off the actor. So it, it was definitely paintballs. Yeah, oh yeah, you can tell. You can see that splatter. And that, that scene that Amir, uh, that uh, Robert's shooting are two different locations. You can see the background and uh, the tone. wasn't the same day because uh, Amir had rented weapons uh, one day, a ton of them, and we did all that shooting up there at the ranch. But that day... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, and again, as we talked on the uh, commentary, one of the guys said, well, you know, he, you know, kudos to Amir for working with a very, 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 very small budget coming up. But paintballs are pretty obvious. And you can actually hear them being fired, you know, in the audio. It's not like Amir changed it to a gunshot. You hear a proof, proof, like a paintball gun going off. But I mean, that was just brilliant. We're standing off camera, Mark and I, and we're just going, dude, are you serious? Look what this is going on. And then a guy lights off the Roman candle and starts shooting at the car, you know, and that's supposed to be, I guess, ricochets. I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, me jumping over the car and all that stuff was real that day, but it was just, it's just funny to see that. And just, uh, again, it's the charm of the movie. And I, again, without the wig, I wonder if people would have said, what a, what a, what is this movie? Look at this. You know what I mean? Cause there was so many things besides the wig, but I just don't know if that was the catalyst to really put this in a, Let's watch this movie in a mocking manner. Let's not watch it like we're watching a movie. So, but yeah, crazy stuff. Another fun day with Amir on set. Oh yeah, I mean, because that could have got, ended up really dangerous, I guess, with paintballs if you know gets the guy in the face or something. Yeah, and Amir did put some protection under the guy's uh, uh, shirt, so he wasn't really getting hit with it. And he was a big dude. That guy was oh, a big yeah. guy. I remember 
choreographing stuff with him that day. And I'm just like, dude, I go, first of all, I wouldn't be fighting you the way that I'm going to fight you <laughs> right now <laughs> because this is ridiculous. You just have too much math. And, you know, and that, that again comes from, you know, uh, executive protection training. You know where to go, where the, you know, the joints and the weak points, pressure points to bring a guy down to his knees at that, that size. But we had fun not just punching away like it's Rocky on a punching bag uh, <laughs> on him there. But great guy. Another guy, dude, we just met for the day. I don't know where Amir found him, probably walking down the street and he just said would you like to be in a movie and the guy's like sure free meal and on he came <laughs> what was it what was it like then you mentioned about the the big shootout at the ranch was did that take a long time to film uh we we did it he broke that down into several different days but yeah um i want to say at least maybe a week up there um, and again, you can tell by the weather, the continuity obviously would be different when we would mm-hmm. go back and do more shooting or even after we finished the principal photography and then we came back for some more reshoots, we went back up there. But yeah, that was, uh, a lot of stuff that went on up there. Like I said, it was, uh, a lot of guns. I mean, you've seen the shootouts. I mean, again, that's old Western style. If you look at the way Amir shoots those scenes, you know, it's like pop around the corner, bang, bang, pop out of frame. <laughs> You know, and you see his style when you watch his other films that Greg's released through that cinema epic of the uh, other three films that Amir did. He had a certain style and the way, and they actually have the same line in uh, Killing American Style. The character, lead character, tells one of the girls to keep it warm. And I'm thinking, wow, hey, that's where it was for. So again, it's not just me being so lucky. Uh, and I was just thankful that I was the only film of Amir's three, four films he made that didn't have a rape scene. I mean, the, that that movie had a rape scene. And I'm like, wow, this is getting pretty good, dark here. Yeah. I didn't realize Amir. And again, if you guys ever get time to watch them. Uh, and again, when I watch them, it does not have, like we said, the same magic because maybe it was a bigger budget or maybe it just didn't have all those elements coming together to make it what it was that Samurai Cop became. They were, you know, they're good movies, but it's nothing that would have stood out where you went, oh, that's a great or attention grabber. It's getting attention now just because of people focusing in on Amir and his type of films, and he's become legendary and, and kind of a cult following with that type of filmmaking. But uh, it just it's funny for me to watch those, and I still look forward to waiting till the Greg releases those uh, other ones where I can watch them and just kind of really see some more things. And there's just a lot of people in the movies that Amir used that, again, go back to... Stallone, uh, the the actor in Killing American Style and Gypsy by the name of Harold Diamond is the actor that does the stick fighting mm. with Sly in Rambo 3. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know if you're very, very open. So again, I, I think Amir got him before then or after. The blonde girl that's in Killing American Style is Tommy Gunn's girlfriend in Rocky 5. Remember the blonde, the redhead? Yeah. She was? Oh and I think she was an unknown before she did. And so again, it's like, wow, look at these connections of all these people. Boyle, the guy that told me to go see Amir was obviously one of the bodyguards. Yeah. Uh, it's just so many things that went on that I just look back on that. And the coincidence is that why I try to go in depth when I talk to people about this is just to let you see kind of what I saw, which is like, wow, there's just, there's always a reason. This is just crazy stuff. And then for me to walk through Amir's door and just go, oh my God, this is, poor. they are Stallone <laughs> clone. And he literally told me one day, he goes, you know, we were in between scenes, and he says, you know, Matt, I think you should change your name. I said, really? He goes, yes, Hannon. It's not, of course, he was not reading into the future, but he says, Hannon just doesn't have, I think you should change your name to Matt 
Stallone. And he was dead <laughs> fucking serious. And I look at him, I go, Amir, are you fucking kidding? Well, I think, I go, Amir, seriously, you don't, that is the dumbest thing you could ever think that I would ever do. It's just like, I, it's like I become a, a, a freak. It's just forget about it. But that's the naive, and he was serious, sweet guy, but he was really serious. And again, that comes from culture or whatever he thought Hollywood was supposed to be or should be or. And I just, I mean, those the moments just stick in my head, the, the conversations that we had together. And I was just like, wow. But it, again, it's just going back to how many people that were just tied into that, that uh, movie that had somehow a connection, Robert Zadar with Tango and Cash, yeah. you know what I mean? And Tom, Tom Gleason, my buddy in it. But of course I brought him into that, but at least five or six different coincidences that tie into that, which are just kind of really, really strange, but it's fun for me to know about and maybe share. Yeah, a, a sly cameo in Samurai Cop 2. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> Everyone's like, you should be in Expendables. I said, oh, no, no. That's never going to happen, but I, I, I think that's hilarious. But And again, like I said, I haven't seen Sly for I don't know how many years, and I just wonder, uh, obviously he would know who I am, but uh, yeah. I, just, I just always wonder what kind of conversation. My daughter and I were actually having lunch in Beverly Hills on Sly's birthday, and I know he hanged around kind of where we were eating. And I wondered, because uh, sometimes he'll stroll through Beverly Hills on the weekend and go have a cigar with Arnold and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, hang around in that area downtown. But uh, I'm just, it's just been so long, I just wonder. And, of course, you know, I still watch his movies and see from afar. Yeah. And it's just hilarious for me to see Sly and Arnold, such great friends, when I was there during uh, the times when they were, you know, box office competitors and there was a... Um, uh, a colossal meeting. Do you remember the you remember the movie Twins that Arnold did? Oh yeah. And there's a cameo poster of Rambo three. Remember that uh, <laughs> yeah. Arnold walks up on and he kind of looks at Sly and flexes his arm and goes like, eh, whatever with this guy. Apparently that irritated uh, Sly. And of course the producers of that movie, Andy Vanya and uh, Mario Casar, produced Sly's movies and Arnold's. And they felt there was some animosity and they wanted to have a meeting and have these guys get together and kind of squash this this problem that was going on, the competitiveness of, uh, of them. And I was working in the office and Arnold drove from his office in Santa Monica to Slice and he parked his Porsche outside the office, right on the street in a traffic lane, just stopped it, turned on the slasher, comes in. I let him in the, in slice it on. I'm going to go meet with Arnold. And they went into the conference room, had their little meeting. All of a sudden, two minutes later, all of a sudden a Santa Monica police cop comes in and he's like, uh, it's Mr. Schwarzenegger here. Cause they all knew Arnold in his car. And they said, yeah, he's inside. I need him to move his car. You can't just stop in the middle. I know he's the Terminator, but you have to move the car around out of traffic lane. And I like, no problem. So I go into the conference room where Sly and Arnold are having their colossal meeting. And I said, uh, Mr. Schwarzenegger, I need to get the keys to your vehicle. I need to move the police officer. And he hands me his keys and he says, uh, make sure to press once for unlock and twice to lock. And I said, uh, yeah, I pretty much understand how to use a car, car lock feature, sir. But anyway, and I moved the car, and then they finished their meeting, and then they eventually patched things up and, and left and slid like, let me tell you, those, those aren't real cats. Those are implants. I'm telling you. <laughs> look at so, I mean, these things, the being there and seeing those moments, and then now seeing them together, they are really, really great friends, even when Arnold was governor here, and, and to see them together is, is uh, it's fun and, and interesting. But, again, it's just that, that whole Stallone era that's just always going to be there and that I remember every once in a while. Yeah, I think it'd be great if your paths did cross, and you know, you could you could have a chat. Yeah, I'm just curious to see because, like I said, it's uh, 
it's a, it's a moment in time. And like I said, uh, we did, uh, I'm not saying we hung out as close as some of the other bodyguards and w- was there, but I mean, there were times when him and I would go out, ride the Harleys or go have beers or just have conversations together, talk about the business or, and he was privy to me being a goofball with his son, Sage, who, you know, recently had passed uh, at that time, was 10 years old. And he enjoyed me doing his father in different movies. He'd say, do that scene of my dad when, you know, it's the end of Rambo. And he would see his dad walking from the main house up to the guest house where Sage would uh, be hanging out. And he would purposely, uh, my back would be to Sly. Sly would come up the stairs and stop, and I would see there be going, I got my friend, there's pieces of them all over me. It's me, me. You know, I'm giving this ridiculous performance. And then Slay's, uh, Sage is cracking up, and I'm thinking, oh, I, you must think this is hilarious. And then I turn around, and there's Sly. And it's just like, <laughs> so he knew that I had this talent, this comedic, so you know what I mean? It wasn't out of the blue, and I said, look, I want to go pursue my acting career in comedy. I had imitated every single person in the office. They all had distinct personalities or demeanor. And that's kind of what I did even as a kid. I can pick up on certain dialects or, you know, whatever. So uh, it's just, I don't know if, you know, he probably said, you know, whatever happened, where you've been and since I last saw you. Because like I said, the last time we saw each other was in the gym. And then I was off to uh, custody. It was probably days before I went. I knew I was going. I had surrendered and then I, I told him I needed some time with my family before I left, get things in order. And then I still kept training with George. Uh, to the last day, and then uh, that was probably the last time I had seen him. So, yeah, it would be interesting. Mm-hmm. But no expendable size for me. I don't think <laughs> you'd be throwing that out. Those, that's reserved for these top action heroes from the 80s and 90s, not the uh, B-rate samurai cop guys. Oh, come on. I think a cameo at least. Come on. <laughs> get, get you in yeah. there. Get you in there. <laughs> I mean, you, again, with your comedy stuff, it must have paid dividends that you can keep a straight face. When you stood in front of the captain and he's giving his, his line about having it, he feels like he's got a club, club stuck up his ass. That must have been another one of those brilliant. lines. Yeah, it was again. I was laughing actually, and that's why I was glad they never showed the reverse. And I don't know sometimes if you can see me. That guy, I think his name was Dale Cummings, was the actor's name, and he's deceased, I guess, now, which is a great loss. That guy was absolutely fantastic. I don't think that most of that dialogue was in the script. There was there was kind of a guideline, but he got away with improvising and Amir let him run with it. And and it's just the way he delivers his lines with you motherfucker and I'll see you in hell, all that shit I think was his made up. And of course the long pause, which I don't know, again I talked in the Blu-ray. I don't know if that was Amir letting the the film roll out because we were close to the end of the the the, uh, the school. Because that's a really long beat to hold and maybe I think Dale thought Amir would say cut. Yeah. And when he didn't, he just continued as a professional and sat back. And then you see him sit there and then he closes his eye and then he starts laughing. And it just added so <laughs> much depth to that. What is with this guy? Is he crazy? Is he, like everybody said, manic depressive or, um, but just a brilliant performance with the guy. I love doing those scenes with that guy. I think we shot all those in one, one day. We did all that. Because you see so many sort of angry police captains in a lot of the cop films and shows, but he's like, he's one of the best and most angriest police captains. Yeah, and he got to break the rule like we all wished, you know, like somebody had said in their commentary, you know, that's the police chief you want. It was, you know what, fuck it, kill them all, I don't give a shit. <laughs> if we lose, you know, most of them are like, no, you know, they, they have to be the ones to rein in the, the you know, like in Lethal Weapon and, and you know, whatever a cop movies. No, you guys need to, you know, do your job and turn in your badge if you're going to act like that, this and that. But, yeah, absolutely brilliant performance, I feel, uh, as far as, oh. as, as what he did. 
was it like a, an ad lib move that you did the scene when you're talking to everybody in the police station and um, you, you're actually you're taking the piss out of the captain and he appears at the door and calls for you and then you go uh, out of the room as a, a police woman walks the other way and you just like brush her hair you like finger her hair was that was that yeah. um, uh, was that a direction from Amelia or was that you did that. The dialogue in the script, the, everything I say is in the script, and that's why I had another argument, because I said, Amir, do you remember that you said I speak fluent Japanese? Why would I screw up Yakaha, Yamaha, Yomaha? <laughs> I go, and besides that, I felt, as an actor, it was disrespectful to the Asian community. You know, again, here I am <laughs> overthinking so much stuff, but that was verbatim, and then me doing that with her hair was just me. I made that up, and I just, and again, that's me being ridiculous. And I don't know why Amir even kept that or said, let's do it again. But very, very uh, did we ever do another take. It was like one shot and that's it. And that's why it was hard for me as an actor because, again, when I was on set with Sly on a professional set, you finish the scene, you go over, you look at the playback. Yeah. And you could look and go, you know what, that sucked. I was an idiot. I wasn't even in the moment. Let me do it again. I didn't have that luxury with Amir. It was just, I hope I said exactly what he said in the script because otherwise he's going to be yelling at me in a second because he's got to do it again. So... A lot of the times I'm, I'm, I'm line reading or I'm saying things exactly the way that Mayor would tell me before. I want you to say it like this. But I did try to interject in that scene a little bit more of my personality, and that's kind of probably why I did that. But, again, it makes no sense. Why would you be talking about, oh, I was with this chick the other night? And, yes, of course, everyone said, you know, you got Melissa behind you that you just had done a – I mean, what kind of pig? Again, I was trying to say, why would this guy be – he's just such an asshole. Why would the audience want him to fall in love with Jennifer? You know, he's a playboy. He's a samurai – prostitute i mean it's just a samurai <laughs> pimp I don't, it's, it's ridiculous but yeah that was an improvised uh scene there and then there was a couple others that we had done uh, maybe only two others i believe that we did uh during the filming yeah what were those could you tell us that the kitchen scene that i cooked for um her amir said i need you to say something here pretending before you go into the room to make love or swim i think we went swimming and I made up the chicken over the, I mean, what a dumbass. I mean, and now that I look back and I go, where the hell did I come up with that? I mean, Janice and I are laughing, trying to think, what could you say? Oh, I jumped the fence and I caught a chicken and I killed it. And here it is. I mean, it's just stupid dialogue. But again, I guess I was par for the course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then the other one I'll say, that was in the uh, Blu-ray DVD. I'll let that one come out. Okay. That's another classic one that everybody loved that scene and, and, I was saying, now that's something I want to make sure we take credit for, Mark. And I said, I'm going to let him know that was not in the script. You know, <laughs> we came up with that one. So, but yeah, that'll be a, a little fun one to watch. What, what's your most favorite memory then, looking back on the shoot? Um, wow. Um, I don't know. I mean, personally, Again, I just I think it was a gift to be given that. So just having the opportunity to do the the whole thing as a whole. But I think the moments. I think the minute. Oh, I don't know. This is hard to say again, being with my wife at the time. But I enjoyed my scenes with um, Janice because again, um, absolutely stunning, beautiful girl. Uh, not to take anything away from Melissa, uh -huh. uh, she also the same thing. But. Uh, um, it's just that, that, that uh, Janice was so demure and just really physically, aesthetically, uh, just a beautiful, beautiful girl. And um, I want to say that, you know, that things went beyond in the kissing and so on during the scene. But again, her boyfriend, uh, like I said, was in the movie and I revealed that on the Blu-ray, which guy he is. And everyone will know. 
Uh, and it's awkward. He wasn't there that day. We did the love scene um, in that room. And again, um, I felt, I didn't know if she was comfortable with nudity because you see how she's um, kind of, you know, with the top off and there she is exposed again. And here are the other girls and the guys just get to sit there all covered up and whatever. But yeah. Uh, and some of the insinuations where Peter had me, you see, as I slip my middle finger down her uh, bikini bottoms and, and go off. I don't know if Amir wanted to simulate that they were coming off. I don't know, because, again, I thought we were dealing with. And then, of course, when I disappear out of frame and then here back up, it's like, what was the point of that? And then you never and then you see me still in another scene with underpants on. So, okay. <laughs> so things like that, which is kind of odd. But I, I think my time that her and I spent together in some of the visual scenes that we shot down at the beach in Malibu on the rocks. Um, we're, we're just, um, I, I, and I guess that comes more from a, 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 a I don't know, a heterosexual point of view rather than from an acting, <laughs> but I really enjoyed spending time with her because, uh, again, I knew that she was a taken woman. Of course I was married and, and that's kind of your life steal when you're, Oh, I'm in the movie, honey. This is, I have to kiss her. I don't, you know, I love you, but you know, but, um, other than that, I just think the entire film is itself. Once we knew the direction it was going. Um, again, there's scenes where I, um, I do hand gestures and I talk about that in the Blu-ray. If you watch my hands in certain scenes, you'll see those were inside jokes that I was doing with, um, the guys that were there on the set, either some of the other extras or Mark and I, uh, that Amir wasn't catching. And I thought, Oh, this would be funny to do this. Or, uh, like one example, when I'm talking to her in the helicopter, cause I had such a booming voice, she could hear me, of course, that we've all talked about, how is he talking to her when she's in the helicopter? But in that scene, I had the wig on and I thought, okay, great. We're doing a close up, and I had the wig on. I go, this scene's already going to be a shit scene anyway. I'll just screw around. And I, I take my hands. And if you remember in the old Elvis, uh, concerts or anybody imitates him, he, he makes gestures with his hands, with the two fingers and his hands, it's kind of a Kung Fu kind of a. Uh, three finger, you know, oh, you'll see that when yeah. you see him. And, and I did that. But then there's also scenes where I'm tucking my thumbs in my fist, which is absolutely unheard of if you're fighting. <laughs> I'm doing uh, rock and roll symbols, you know, like if you're at a rock concert, you put your thumb and your first finger and pinky up. And when martial art, like you'll see Gerald doing his correct kung fu, uh, you know, tiger claw, or whatever he's doing. And then I'm, Amir's like, Matt, do the same. And I'm like, I'm not going to imitate him. So I came up with this stupid thing. So just fun things like that. I just remember him having fun and then um, just getting through the whole process. I mean, it literally took nine months to film the three-week movie that Amir said we were uh, getting ready to go do. So, but yeah, there's just too many, I think, to to go through. But Yeah. Good to look back on now, though. Must be really good to look back on. Yeah, it's fun now because now I'm really looking back. Before I kind of popped in every other month or so or every six months just to see what was going on on YouTube or IMDb, but now it's like topic of conversation from sunup to sunrise with Greg calling me and Mark and trying to see where we're going to go from here. Mm -hmm. It's like we said before, isn't it? You know, everything's slowly gearing up now for the sequel. So we've, uh, well, hopefully we're going to have another show with you once you film the sequel as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've been thinking that Greg, I think, needs to, to I, I think he should be sometime coming in. Because like I said, a lot of this, as you guys have seen in my email, I, I credit a lot of, to him because when they did find the, the original negative, and he spent a lot of money out of his own pocket and redid it and put out the DVD that you guys have seen, and now he's restoring all these other ones that he's come upon. And, uh -huh. and uh, obviously there was issues about who owned the films and rights and this and that, and he's... Uh, 
he's just really found a love of this and, and, and I think he's going to enjoy doing this and being a part of it too. And I think all of us will probably end up coming back for um, interviews whenever it's time and, and, and go over exactly what went on. And hopefully, like I said, that we don't, we're not letting anybody down. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be really good because I know we well between this and, you know, obviously the commentary that you've done on the Blu-ray, there's been, there's so many great stories for people to listen to listen to that it, it's going to be you know, obviously essential purchase, the Blu-ray. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and again, if I was sitting with Mark or other people, you kind of remember things or he thinks and remember stuff. So I'm hoping that um, his commentaries and, or his interviews that he's going to be doing, if he's doing any with uh, Greg, will touch base on stuff um, also that, that the fans, I guess, if they want to know it, again, it's that weird element where I'm here and I don't really know what's going through everybody else's heads. You do see what comes through on the post. And again, um, you know, the email address, you know, anything if people wanted to put something out. And then eventually, I guess my daughter will break me down again and <laughs> get into Twitter and come into the 21st century or whatever century. And now, and dad, this is what people do. They Twitter, you know, and again, after you've heard everything I've talked about in my past, I've really just become kind of private and I just really didn't, I, I just rebuffed all that social media stuff. But I think in this if this keeps going the way it's going, you kind of got to do it. And it's kind of a respect yeah. to your fans and, and, and people just want to be in touch, say, Hey, and kind of like I was with fly. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm at that same level of admiration, but you know, I, I enjoyed watching his movies. And again, we'll see what happens after Samurai Cop. If the audience says, you know, we really would be interested in seeing you or Mark and something else, you know, that's kind of how you build a fan base for other stuff other than just the Samurai Cop. But yeah, uh, for me to, to watch and enjoy all fly films and then and being able to talk to him finally, which most people never get a chance to do or actually work for him and be in that proximity. It's just a great, it's a fun thing that I appreciate. And I have to understand that the fans also would want to know and hear about or not. Some obviously don't give a shit and some do, but again, <laughs> the good outweigh the bad. So I'm trying to appease everybody. Oh, is there anything else you want to say about Samurai Cop or what's happened since before we wrap this up? Oh, I think we've covered <laughs> just like Amir did with this filming, every single thing. I mean, again, I, I, I kind of wanted to get it out once, and uh, good or bad, it is out there. And, uh, of course, the name I'm not concerned about. Eventually that would come about. Um, and hopefully people obviously respect privacy. Obviously you could, I guess, if a diehard fan, like they did trying to track down the other Matt Hand, and, you know, they'd be trying to, from records or whatever, try to find out where I'm at and whatever. But And that's what my uh, ex-wife and the kids always wonder about. So I'm hoping it's not that crazy. But, uh, yeah, I just think uh, it's better just got it out once. I'm glad that I shared it with you guys because, again, I really appreciated all that you guys have done for us as far as promoting and and allowing us to have a venue to speak and so on. But uh, we'll just see where things go. And then hopefully, yes, we will be in touch again and chat some more. Oh, yeah, we look forward to it. We look forward to uh, a, a good ride with at least one more sequel. Maybe yeah, two, yeah, maybe two from what you've hinted at. Who knows? I think we should just that yeah, one step at a time. <laughs> I'm happy with whatever whatever path it comes and, and and goes down. I'm I'm completely satisfied with it. I think it's been a blast. And mostly, like I said, I'm enjoying it for my daughter because Greg was so kind and gracious to allow. Uh, she's in her last year of film school, and I said if you could do me a favor and let her come on board either as an associate producer just to be on set. I would like for her to really be on because it's going to be a you know, sag set, so it's to just see how things really work. You can learn from school and see how things work. And of course, you know, she's in film school. I don't know why. Perhaps she thought maybe I need to get into the movies and be a producer and get my dad to work. I don't know. But whatever her passion was, why she was drawn to that. It's just fun to see her be able to 
experience all this, know that she was kind of the catalyst of getting all this stuff going and, and uh, have her just, you know, sit behind the director or ask questions or ask the, the cinematographer why you do this or how do you like this, talk to the gaffer, you know what I mean? That's an experience similar to what I had working with Sly as an actor to be on something that professional. You really learn a lot and something you can't learn from a book or, you know, you know, see, you really got to be there and experience time frames and dealing with the sun's going down or this, this problem happened and now we're going to go over budget. You know, there's, there's a lot of things to do as a producer and I, I'm glad that she's going to get exposed to that. So that's oh, fun yeah. for me also. Yeah. It's a good grounding for, isn't it? To see, to see. Oh, absolutely. Happen. Yeah. On set experience and all of that. Definitely. Yeah. And I understand, yeah, this is at a low, but you know, but it's still, it still is what it is. And Greg's oh, yeah. productions are, when you see some of his work, it's, it's professionally done. And he, you know, he does have a crew. <laughs> Obviously he's guaranteed me a man. I promise this won't be like a mirror's, <laughs> you know, and it's like, of course, Greg, I understand. I, I trust. I understand that. that. That goes unsaid, but so I just, I just think, uh, who knows? Uh, this could be the beginning of something really crazy and fun for everybody, or it could just be a moment in time that, again, will just, uh, you know, mark another niche in my little timeline of my long life. I've got 50 more years, I believe, at least left, because all the ancestors of mine on the Greek side and the Irish and Scots have lived uh, well into their hundreds. So I'm assuming I'm doing pretty good. I should be able to top them. Uh-huh. Samurai Cop 27 on the... Hopefully, yeah. still still with exactly. the same car as well. You'd be fine. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, even Rodney uh, Dangerfield started late. I think they said he was 53 when he got his break. So, I mean, you never know. You just yeah. never know, and you got to just enjoy the ride. And like I said, I'm not expecting or anticipating. I'm just going to enjoy the moments, and then hopefully it, it's it's just fun all the way around, and, yeah. and it does prove to be a another great experience. Well, Matt, you, you've given us an absolutely fantastic evening. You really have, and we're so appreciative of you and, uh, and oh, the, the work, the, the work that Greg's done as well. You know, it's uh, it's it's been a really, really good evening, hasn't it, Tom? Oh, it's been fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Has the sun come up where you live now? I mean, what, what are you, eight hours ahead of me here in L.A.? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I hope I haven't broken the record. I don't know what. I, I, maybe I didn't break the record. If we split it into two parts, I think I'm safe. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's, it's got to be close to four hours we've been babbling, or I've been babbling. I know we we did a lot of talk before we started recording, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, that's well, true. Yeah, that's fair. we did. But what we do? Yeah, we we're gonna have a little chat after we go off air as well. And um, absolutely. But yeah, so you know, thank thank you again so much, mate. I'm sure uh, the, the listeners that are, are going to be listening to this will will have hell of a ride listening to the last two episodes with you. That they will. That's, absolutely. I hope you guys get a lot of feedback, and hopefully, you, you know. Whatever, if we do meet up again, we can answer more if there's more questions or anything else. Mm-hmm. But again, I really do appreciate you guys have been more than kind. Tina is an absolute sweetheart. As I mentioned, you guys took the right approach by having a female approach Samurai Cop, the whore he was. <laughs> if I can hear a, a woman inviting me into a conversation, how could I ever say no? But besides that, just me watching your interviews and, and listening and hearing your stuff, I just knew these guys are just fantastic guys. And I loved your sense of humor. And I think, like I said, all three of you, Ramrod even missing in action, but uh, absolute gems, both or all of you guys. Oh, thanks, Matt. Thank you very much. Well, listen, everybody that's listening to this, um, like Matt said, we'd love all the feedback about the, the two episodes we just had with him. And Tom now is going to tell you how you can get in touch with us. Yep, you can visit us on our website at 80spicturehouse.co.uk. If you want to email us, there's a contact us form at the top of the page or contact at 80spicturehouse.co.uk. Our Twitter's at 80 House and Facebook is dot com forward slash 80 House. All right, and that's it. We're uh, 
we're off to watch Samurai Cop again now. <laughs> yes, absurd. Someday, <laughs> hopefully, I can sit there with you guys and we can grab a couple pints and we'll all get shit faced doing the wig game. I oh, mean, that would be the ultimate. only part for the court. <laughs> I'll eventually make it over the pond, I believe. I have friends over, like I said, George now lives in Czechoslovakia, so I'm going to go visit here in Slovakia now that it's two Czech Republic and so on. But I told uh, Tina I would love to stop off there and see where my Celtic ancestors came from. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. It's it's a date then for the the samurai cop drinking game. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, and in an inobtrusive piece of editing that's uh, <laughs> that's so subtle you would never guess that all three of us are now sat here wearing wigs. Uh, we've jumped <laughs> we've jumped forward uh, a few weeks into the future uh, from when we were. You've just heard us talking to Matt. Um, so, of course, I'm here again, Dave, Tom, you're there again. Yes. And, of course, you're here again, Matt. Yes, sir. Hello, hello. Still here, still holding on. Quite a long-distance bill we're going to have here. We've been <laughs> on the line for a month. Uh, right, first of all, before we get into chat that we're going to be uh, chatting about tonight, we've got uh, the in-depth interview with you has been up online for quite a few weeks now, and we've had such fantastic feedback. I think it's probably the most feedback and the the most hits for show that we've ever had it's been uh yeah it's been outrageous matt totally has that's amazing it was very humbling when i heard that and you guys have been sending me emails it's just amazing because again when she when you reveal yourself you're kind of sitting out there naked and it was nice to see that it was embraced and not scorned and i'm oh, sure there were some people that uh yeah just an amazing response that i've heard from that so yeah everybody i just it. wanted to be open and honest and basically just let people see a different side of who I am other than what they saw there on the uh, screen. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. My only opportunity. Yeah, every, everybody's taken it to heart and really enjoyed it. And so, yeah, and thanks to everybody that's listening that uh, had a listen to that episode. And, uh, yeah, and so, of course, they've just heard you talk all about Samurai Cop as well. And it's got a Blu-ray release very soon. Yeah, actually, I think Greg announced it's coming out. I think it's exclusive September 30th. It'll be for sale, the Blu-ray, through uh, Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I don't know where it's marketed, but that's the first uh, an actual release date that, that he's got that he's told me about for the uh, for the Blu-ray. It should be good. There's plenty of stuff. I know Mark came into town uh, with me. He flew in, I think, last week, and we actually went in studio and did some more. He did his own personal commentary on there too, and then uh, he and I did some behind-the-scenes kind of discussions of what was going on. So there's really a lot of stuff on there. That I think people are gonna get a kick out of oh yeah it's, it's packed with a load of great extras and oh, while, yeah. while we're still on the subject of samurai cop one you've, you're going to a couple of festivals as well aren't you soon yeah there's a couple of things i wanted to mention i know here in la a lot of people that have been emailing me were always wondering about screenings and they actually have a screening um of the movie coming up here on uh i think it's august 28th it's a thursday over at the uh cine family uh, cinema, which is located in Hollywood. It's off of uh, Fairfax. I think it's 611 Fairfax Avenue. It's right near the uh, crossroad, I think, of Melrose and Fairfax. And it's a it's a very beautiful old uh, silent movie theater. I think it seats about 184 people. I know they have tickets that are on sale now. They're kind of doing a three-day festival, and our, our night is that night uh, on the 28th at 10.30 p.m. So I think if you go to their website, that's Cinefamily. Uh, dot com or whatever and then there's a link that you can click on and that's the uh it's been touted as matt hannon's first live appearance <laughs> in los angeles anywhere near the print of samurai cop so 
<laughs> quite a daring evening for me to be out there, but uh, I think it'll be fun. It's just nice to see a lot of people that, you know, have been sending me emails and wanting to say, hey, can we ever see you in person and get something signed or just chat with you? So it's, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, that'll be good. And I think the second one was, uh, oh, in Seattle, coming up August 15th at the uh, Seattle International Film Festival. They're putting on an appropriately named bingo movie night, <laughs> B-movie bingo night. I think it's actually August 16th. I'm sorry, not the 15th. And they also have a link, too. I think if you go to the Seattle International Film Festival, um, I think it's called Bingo Night is actually the heading. Even if you Google it, it'll pop up. And I don't know what that bit. I don't know how crazy. I have family live up there. I almost want to have them go and sit in the back and <laughs> tell me how it went and if they won any prizes playing bingo while the movie's uh, going on. But that was two things that were coming up that were that were on the horizon that I think uh, a lot of fans that they're here in the States wanted to know about. So I appreciate you letting us get that out there. That's all right. And again, on uh, if people go to our website, on the notes for this episode, I'll put all the links to all of those on there as well. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Um, and Tom, talking about links to stuff, you put a, a link up that's gone crazy earlier on, didn't you, oh, on our yeah. Facebook page? <laughs> oh, yeah. The Kickstarter has begun. It has. Yes. Samurai got two be careful, Kickstarter. Be careful what you wish for, people, because it's here. <laughs> it is here now. Well, I'm looking. I'm on the page now, and um, it's only been up a few hours. It's got 36 backers. It's up to $1,200 uh, and change, and it's... The the amount of stuff that you can get when people pledge, it's such a great spread of things that people can get started. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can start, you know, you pledge from a from a dollar. Uh, Ten dollars gets you a special thanks credit in uh, in Samurai Cop Two. I, th- I yep. can th- I can see that being a popular one. But there's, yeah. I mean, do, do you want to go through some of the things, Matt, that's being given away on there for p- people that pledge? Yeah, he's got, I think he started off in a lot of them, which, and this is all new to me, but I think it's a blast. Like Greg explained to me, it's basically for those diehard fans who just really want to be involved. Like we said, a bulk of this budget has already been put together, and this is kind of for the extras, um, for like the CGI and special effects. And of course, with Mark and I being 50 years old, I need a lot of CGI if they're ever going to show any love scene of my ass. I need that to be, hey, you just CGI that. But, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, a, I don't know if you've seen the cast list. There's so many beautiful women and a lot of them from the adult industry, either current, present, past, whatever, um, that are, you know, there's shoes and outfits that they wear during there's, um, uh, come to the set for those bold that want to have lunch with Mark and I, or the girls, Caden Cross, so on and so forth. And, uh, posters at certain levels, I think 10 or $25 gets you the, the posters are signed and the, the Blu-ray DVDs later on. And then for those, Bold people that want to be on screen. I think you can actually have a scene with myself, either uh, a dialogue or a fight scene or something for like <laughs> 1500 I mean, it runs the whole gamut all the way up. And then for those that um, want to just uh, you know, live with the uh, rich fathers that want to have, Dad, I have something for my birthday. For ten grand. I could be the executive producer <laughs> on this fantastic cult classic sequel. But, I mean, it's just really amazing. And I think I hope everybody has a lot of fun with it. And I think that's going to be a... a a great thing like I said I, I've never thought the day that I posted that video uh, when I said that he actually incorporates incorporated in the uh, Kickstarter of you know hey I guess if my hair still the same and looking the same if they ever want to do Samurai Cop 2 I guess I'm available so there again be careful what you wish for so but yeah I think it'll be fun if everybody just gets out there and uh, enjoys actually it's like uh, it's me collecting on all my uh, 
laughs at my expense, everybody. For every little bikini shot and wig shot, it's worth at least 10 or 20 bucks for you to <laughs> kick in to see what happens. I was just thankful that Greg didn't have anything on there that said, for $50,000, Matt will come to your home or surprise a friend at a birthday party in his bikini wearing a wig. You know, it's just like, hey, wait a minute, I didn't agree to that. But uh, no, he kept it well in, and I think it's a, a, a fun plethora of choices for everybody and for all levels. Oh, know, there is, just yeah. Just on. That's it, yeah. Like you say, from $10 upwards, it's a really good spread of stuff. And there's, like, there's even stuff like you can have a character in the film named after you as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean. I just think, and since there were so many catchphrases from the first one, uh, you know, if you have friends and so on, it's like, yeah, I got my name in this. I mean, there's just a lot of creative angles that Greg and his uh, gang put together here on this, so mm. fantastic. Oh, yeah. And again, obviously, you know, the link to this will be on the podcast notes on the website people just go to the website it'll be a link straight to it and then just yeah click on whatever one you want because there's it's, it's so much to choose from yeah and we really appreciate that guys i know we've been back and forth on emails but you guys have been absolutely fantastic with your support and we really appreciate it and and your fans have just been amazing uh, the overwhelming responses that mark gets and myself just through emails and so on and i think a lot of that is from our discussions that we've had with you guys so we really are thankful and appreciate that oh yeah we're, we're always happy to help however we can definitely um Absolutely. right is there anything else that we need to cover matt is that's it if everybody you know if you're suffering from insomnia prepare for part two i'm sure that will <laughs> be a great length it'll sack you out no i just uh glad like i said that we're finally getting uh, part two out because a lot of people have been even asking me when it was up so hopefully people enjoy that as much as the first oh they will and of course we'll be getting you and mark and we'll be having a samurai cop two show as well oh absolutely oh yeah right we'll okay. try and get greg too to come out of his reclusive hiding i know someday. do you think we could maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe that should be an extra pledge on kickstarter He's in, get... in true fashion is most uh fantastic directors he's very reclusive and just uh, you know driven by his art which is this film right now which he's dedicated a ton of his time and efforts and money and so on just really amazing <laughs> all right well people listening to this you've already heard tom give all the details of how you can get in touch with us so please let us know what you thought about the two episodes with matt like i say we've had amazing feedback from the first one let us know what you thought about all of his stories from samurai cop 2 and please go over to the Kickstarter and donate whatever you can, pledge whatever you can to uh, Samurai Cop 2. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. 